night is from Isaiah chapter 42. Cry, to cry out or not to cry out? That is the question. <laughs> Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Now, as we've been uh, going through the book of Isaiah, and we've seen this phrase, my servant, used several different ways, several different times. Uh, here, obviously, uh, it's a reference, uh, as we saw in several different references, to the Messiah himself. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. And when Yeshua was immersed, the, the spirit of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, came down from God out of heaven, and like a spirit of, like a, in the presence of a, like a dove, landing upon him. I put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. We saw in another text that he would be a light to the Gentiles. And so here again, uh, we're seeing that overlapping here in this application here. But just as it's uh, obvious reference to the Messiah, uh, speaking about him, in whom my soul delights, um, my spirit upon him, he will bring. It also, uh, as we are children of him, as we are followers of him, it also would be a reference to all those who, as we read in the other text in Isaiah, uh, all those who join themselves to the Lord, all those who, who do not defile, keep their feet from defiling the Sabbath, and they are God's servants as well. And so uh, God has called us as well, and God has elected us, God has chosen us as well for his purpose, for his plan, for his kingdom, for his salvation. He, uh, his soul delights in us. Again, as Yeshua was being immersed, the voice from heaven, the Father saying, this is my son in whom my soul delights, by whom I am well pleased. And he puts the spirit upon him, and he brings him forth to bring justice to the Gentiles. And so as the Messiah came, he came not only for the Jewish people, but he comes for the Gentiles as well, God created uh, from Adam and Eve uh, children uh, for himself that God loves and God calls us to be together as one, Jews and Gentiles together under God's hand, under God's presence, under God's protection and unity together. Verse 2, he will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. So here we have a picture of the Messiah coming with compassion, with tenderness, with kindness, yet with truthfulness. He will bring forth justice for truth. But at the same time, he's bringing forth justice for truth. He won't bruise, he won't break a bruised reed. You know, and so you can picture again, a, you know, a reed uh, blowing in the wind out on the, uh, on, on the Jordan River. And, and there it is, it's, it's been bruised, it's been knocked over, but he's not going to go and snap it. He's not going to go and break it. Uh, he's not going to, and so as he looks at his people, as we've been, as we've gone through life, as we've received bumps and bruises along the way, he doesn't come to just break us as we've made mistakes, as we've stumbled, as we've uh, bruised ourselves. He doesn't just condemn and, and just snap the reed and throw it away. But he comes with his compassion. He comes with his mercy. He comes with his love. 
and tries to hold us up, to build us up, to strengthen us, to strengthen the, the shaking knees, to give power to those that are weak, and strength to those that are weary. And so he does not cry out. He doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't come yelling and screaming, condemning and God sent not his world into the world to uh, save the world, not to condemn the world. But he came not to condemn, but to save. And he calls us to do the same. He calls us to be his servants as well. He calls us to follow in his footsteps. He calls us to, to mimic him by having his mind, by having his spirit placed upon us. And we should be the same way that we should be merciful and kind to one another, that we should be patient and long-suffering with one another. I mean suffering long time with other people, with their mistakes, with their shortcomings. And yet at the same time, bringing forth justice for truth. Very fine balance there. And throughout this chapter, we're not, we don't have time to read all the text of the chapter, but we'll be looking at at several of them, he uh, the balance here of being compassionate and being merciful, being patient and long-suffering, and yet at the same time holding fast to justice and truth. That there is truth. That God's word is true. There aren't many truths. There aren't many paths. God holds forth his truth. He has truth. He brings it forth. Chapter 42, verse 4, he will not fail nor be discouraged till he establishes justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. So again, he doesn't give up, he doesn't stop, he, does, he keeps on, and, and again with his long-suffering patience, working with us and drawing us, never drawing us, giving us opportunities, sending forth his spirit. He doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't fail. He doesn't stop reaching out. And his goal and his plan is to establish justice in the earth, righteousness in the earth, a just balance, which is based on truth, right and wrong, and it weighed upon his law. His justice is based on his law. Right? We have justice, the word justice comes, we get the word uh, uh, judges, and the justice system, the jury system. His judgment is based on his law. And he wants to establish his law, and he wants to establish his truth. He wants to establish his justice in the earth. My family just this week watched again uh, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the old Ten Commandments with, with Charlton Heston. Man, that thing is great. Oh, man, that thing is like, what, 50 years old or something like that. But, man, the effects in that and the acting in that is great. There was a, a line that stuck out that I, I didn't notice in the past. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille gets up in the beginning, and he says that the purpose of the movie is to let it be known that, that God's Ten Commandments are still valid and still important. Some of them now I'm paraphrasing. But unashamedly, that's what the movie was about. And so then there's this line 
And then Moses comes down, Charles Heston comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and, uh, and there's this guy by the golden calf, and, uh, and Moses says, this is God's Ten Commandments. And the guy says, we don't need the law, we are now free. We've been set free from Egypt, we've been set free from bondage, we don't need his law. And Moses says, there is no freedom without God's law. I mean, that was on, you know, the movies and the television <laughs> and shown on television every year for 50 years or whatever. What a lie. But today's society seems to have forgotten that and is not concerned about God's law, law in general, certainly not God's law. Even professed people in the believe in, that profess to believe the Bible don't even want to hold fast to God's law anymore. There is no true freedom without God's law. So as we talk about uh, God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his long-suffering towards us, it cannot be separated from his law. He doesn't forgive us and then just allow us to just continue to make mistakes. That's not his plan. That's not his desire. Any more than we would want that for our, our children or for anyone else our employees, or, or society as a whole, for them to just allow them, just let all the prisoners out, and, and just let them continue to rob and steal and, and hurt and maim? No, there's got to be law, there's got to be justice. So there's no freedom. We wouldn't be free, we wouldn't be sitting here free today if this country didn't have any laws. Freedom and law go together, rightly done, with justice. True justice, true law, true righteousness, and a right law, and a right judge. So God will not rest until he establishes his justice in the earth. So we wait for his law. Verse 5, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. Do you think Isaiah believed in creation? Was he a creationist? <laughs> yeah, if we say, well, the first couple chapters of the Bible was well, just an allegory or anything, then we have to say all the rest of the prophets didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> they were all wrong. And we've got to rip out pages out of the Bible, not just the first two chapters. He describes creation all over again. God created the heavens. He stretched them out. Spread forth the earth, gives breath, he breathed the breath of life into Adam, breathed his spirit upon him, and all who walk on the earth. God created us. We come from God. We come from God's breath. We come from God's hand. We are his creation. That's a beautiful thought. We will be what we believe we are. We will mimic what we think we are. Several years I gave up on God, and I was an atheist and back in teen years. And, and uh, so I believed in evolution, studying evolution and studying science and biology. I believed them. It came from amoebas. It came from mud. Right? So I thought, well, what's my purpose in life? What, what did... Am I supposed to be? And I thought, well, if I came from 
and apes and monkeys and what do they do? Right, because the humans are all messed up. I knew that. So I figure, okay, all the humans are messed up. They're just crazy. And so we'll have to look at the animals. They're pure. They're, you know, unaffected by television and media and, and advertising. So I'll look at what they do. And what do they do? They eat and reproduce. I said, okay, I can handle that. I figured that was my purpose. <laughs> and that's what this world is based on today. When we throw out God's word and we throw out God as the creator and creation, we're left with a society that thinks they have to do nothing but eat and reproduce. And they even got reproduction all messed up. They don't even think they necessarily have to have a purpose to reproduce. And that's the society we're living in today. And that's why we're living in this society today, is because we've thrown out the Bible. Even, again, those who profess to believe the Bible, but yet throw out certain chapters, or whole books, or two-thirds of it, and say it's old and outdated and gone away. But God created us. So if we have the picture, well, then what is my purpose, and who am I, and why am I here? And, well, if I didn't come from apes and and monkeys and amoebas, but I came from God, then I am to reflect him. I am to do like he did. He is my father, and I am to copy him. The original plan that we were created in his image until we sold ourselves out to Satan, but then he bought us back, calls us back to be recreated into his image. And so then God's purpose for us is to live by his power, by his spirit in us, as he lives. And it changes the whole picture. That then we will be like his servants. We will have his long suffering. We will have his patience. We will have his peace. We will have his justice. We won't want to hurt a bruised reed. We won't come to condemn. But we'll build up and encourage and lead people to his truth. To both Jew and Gentile in all the earth. Verse 6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. This is what God is about. This is what God called his servant, the Messiah, to do. And thus, this is what God has anointed us and called us to do as well. Called us in righteousness. Truth, righteousness, verity. And he will hold your hand. What a beautiful God. I mean, I don't know, does any other religion, I haven't read all the religions, does any other religion have a God who walks around holding your hand? Anyone else have a picture like that? Do the Muslims or the Buddhists or the animists or Hindus have a picture of God holding their hand, calling them in righteousness? God wants to hold your hand tonight. He will keep you. He will keep us. He will hold us fast. What a loving God. The creator of the universe. The one who created us says, I'm going to keep you. 
because you're a keeper. Because I like you. I've called you. I want you to be mine. And then he takes our hand. And then he gives us. He keeps us, and he gives us. And again, we're to mirror God. If we truly have God's spirit in us, if we truly have his mind in us, then that all comes from getting rid of the old, right? We've got to surrender. We've got to confess over the carnal nature. Ask for God to cleanse us and forgive us and allow the Messiah to take that away and kill the old nature. Allow him to give us his spirit, his mind, his nature. And then we will duplicate that. We will keep God and we will give. God keeps us and then he gives us as a covenant to the people. God's covenant people. He gives us to them and as a light to the Gentiles. Again, united together as one, as one body. This is the Bible. It's not two books, not even 66 books, but one book. Not two sections, one book. God calls us to be one. He calls us to open up people's eyes. Help them to see we're living in a blind world. He calls us to go forth and to open blind eyes. How? By yelling and screaming and crying out and condemning? No, they're bruised. We live in a bruised world. All of us are bruised. All of us have been bruised. He calls us to go forth with justice, with truth, with law. And yet mercy and compassion. Beautiful balance of both. And to call them out of prison. The prison of sin, the prison of darkness, the prison of confusion, the prison of Babylon, messed up, mixed up mixing false science with the Bible and trying to mix it together. Science doesn't interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets science. The Bible came first. The Bible's everlasting. God came first. Setting people free. Free from their addictions. Free from wrong lifestyles. Again, there's no freedom without God's law. God's law sets us free. God's law leads us to the Messiah. The Messiah forgives and then he sets us free by his power. And he doesn't set us free to continue in sin. He sets us free to live in righteousness. I have called you in righteousness. He sets us free and then empowers us to live righteous lives. He sets us free from sinning. You shall call his name Yeshua, for he shall save his people from Sin. Not only the condemnation of sin, not only the punishment of sin, but the power of sin. That we don't have to yield to the power of sin anymore. That's what it means to be set free out of the prison. When the Son sets us free, we are indeed free. Set free. Shackles broken. No longer chained to the wall. We are free. No longer chained to the addiction. We are free, more than forgiven. We are forgiven and set free. And then he transforms us, he changes, he sets us free from that carnal nature. He sets us free. It's natural for us to do wrong. That's what, we're born that way. Again, when Adam and Eve sold us out, 
We're born with a natural inclination to do wrong. It's easier for us to do wrong than right. And so we're just going to just do it, or just do what feels good, or just do what's natural. We're going to do wrong. And that's why we need to be born anew. That's why we need to have God change us. And as we let him set us free, he changes us. He doesn't just forgive us and leave us in the prison. He doesn't just forgive us and leave us in the mud. He sets us free. He cleans us up. Washes us up. And makes us his children. He loves us just as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Like it says on our card, right? Take the Bethel Shalom card. It says on it, it says, come as you are, become even better. Right? God takes us as we are, and then he molds us and makes us, and makes us even better. Makes us into his image, into his righteousness. Sets us free out of the darkness. Verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I will declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth. He gives us a new song. He gives us new tongues. He gives us new minds, new taste buds, new desires, new words, new tone of voice. All things become new. All things, he says, become new. Total transformation. It's what he wants to do in each of us, each of us. And every day is new, is new every morning. Newer and newer and better and better. How? I am the Lord. It's by him. Through his grace, through his power. Again, the Ten Commandments, right? We didn't come out of Egypt in our own power. It was God's power that got us out. And that's how the Ten Commandments start. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall not do any of these things I'm telling you not to do. And you shall do the things I'm telling you to do because I am the one who set you free. I'll set you free physically. I'll set you free spiritually. I'll set you free emotionally. I'll set you free mentally. I will change your mind, your thinking, your desires, and all things will become new, and you will sing a new song. Former things are past. God declares new things for us. New things upon us. Gives us a new name, a new life. In him. Verse 13, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out. Yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Wait, I thought it said he will not cry out. I thought it said he will not shout. Right? Isn't that what it said? Didn't, maybe we should go back to verse 1 there. What was that? Is he going to cry out or is he not going to cry out? So, to cry out or not to cry out? That's the question, right? I said earlier, right, this, this, this chapter seems to have these comparing the two sides, right? There's a time to not cry out, and there's a time to cry out. 
There's a time to be merciful and patient and long-suffering, and there's a time to hold the standard. Proclaim justice and righteousness. And rightly done, they blend together. In Yeshua, they blended perfectly together. In God, they blend perfectly together. And God living in us will cause it to blend perfectly together. So why is he crying out here? Why is he coming forth like a mighty man? Why is he stirred up with a zeal like a man of war? Why is he crying out? Why is he shouting aloud? Against his enemy. Against his enemy. God has enemies. Not everyone automatically goes to heaven. Satan got kicked out. One third of the angels got kicked out. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. God will not be mocked. He has a law. He has justice. Long-suffering, patient, the power to transform, the power to change, the power to make all things new. But he gives us free choice, and if we refuse, there will be a judgment day. There will be a day when he will come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Messiah will rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. He'll take us to the mansions he's preparing for us in his father's house. And yet also at the same time, the wicked will be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. He'll separate the sheep and the goats the wheat and the tares, the wheat will take and put into his barns, and the tares will be burned, bundled up and burned. He will come with a shout. So whether he's coming and shouting at us, or whether he's coming without a shout to us, it all depends on what we choose. What type of ground we want our hearts to be. Whether we want to allow it to be softened, or whether we want to harden our hearts. Verse 14, I've held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will make their rivers, the rivers, coastlands, and I will dry up the pools. He will come. He will come as a man of war. He will come and enact judgment in this earth. He's waited a long time, and people have taken his patience and his long-suffering and have abused it. I thought, well, if he hasn't destroyed me already, if he hasn't brought punishment upon me already, well, then I guess what I'm doing is okay in his eyes. Don't misunderstand his long-suffering. Don't misunderstand his patience. There is a judgment day. He doesn't want any to be lost. But he won't let sin back into heaven. He kicked it out once. He's not going to bring it back in. He wants to cleanse us now. That's why he gives us this time. That's why we're alive. That's why we haven't died yet. He wants to cleanse us. And he wants to use us. And to send us forth and give us, as a covenant to the people, as a light 
to the Gentiles. He loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so he's very patient with us. Very long-suffering with us. But a day is coming. And I believe it's very soon. Verse 16, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. Here again we see the balance. To those that are willing, even though they're blind, but if they're willing and cry out, Yeshua, give me my eyesight. Yeshua was walking along and there's a blind man crying out. Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeshua, son of David. Actually, it's very interesting. He, he hears the people shouting and crying, and he says, who is it? And they say, it's Yeshua of Nazareth. And he begins to cry out, not Yeshua of Nazareth, he cries out, Yeshua, son of David. He knew he wasn't just of Nazareth. He knew he was of David. He knew he was the Messiah, and that's why he cried out that way. He saw more than everyone who could see. Everyone else just saw this man from Nazareth. He saw the Messiah, even though he was blind. And Yeshua stops and asks him, what do you want? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> I want to be able to see. He already could see. And then the Lord gave him his sight. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. We've been confused in some things, and God is straightening that out in our lives. We're growing in his word. We're growing in knowledge. We're growing in what our purpose is on this earth, to share his love with others, to reproduce by his power. More believers is what he's called us to do, to eat of his word and then to share it with others, and to make more, more believers. That's what he's called us to do, because that's what he did. Be a light. I'll make darkness light before them. That's what he wants to do. Again, you've got the two sides. What do we want to be? Do we want to be blind? Where the keepers of the law in his day, many of them thought they were could see because they knew the scriptures, had parts of it memorized. But they were blind to his character. They were blind to mercy. Blind to love. Blind to the true law. It's blended with mercy and truth. They added, added on to things, man-made laws. And they've forgotten God's true law. He makes the crooked places straight. Straight and narrow paths. Few there be that walk therein. Broad is the way, or broad way, that leads to destruction. He makes the crooked places straight. He's got a straight path for us, an upward path for us, a path set towards heaven, a path that he left a trail, and he left trail markers all along the way, his footsteps stained in blood all along the way. We can follow his path that upward path, keep our eyes focused on him. And he will take us by the hand and he will walk us all the way 
And as that beautiful poem says, and in the rough places he'll carry us through. But even in the unrough places he will hold our hand because we can do nothing without him. But we can do all things through him. Verse 17, they shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed who trust in carved images, who say to the molten images, you are our gods. So he leads those that were blind but now can see. He opens their eyes and out of darkness gives them light. But he will turn back those who want to go their own way, worship their own gods. Verse 21, the Lord is well pleased for his righteous sake. And he will exalt the Lord and make it honored. Again, scattered through this chapter, filled with mercy and love and not breaking a bruised reed and not crying out and shouting. Yet all through it also, he mentions his law three different times. Yes, he'll set the prisoners free. Yes, he'll take us by the hand. Yes, he'll help the blind to be able to see and turn darkness to light because he exalts his law and makes it honorable. And the reason this world is in such confusion is because people, including professed believers in the Bible, are trying to blot out his law or change it or whatever. But it's blending them two, two together, grace and truth, mercy and righteousness, law and justice blended perfectly together. And we see that in God's throne, in his throne room. In the Holy of Holy, the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. Mercy and truth blended together right at God's throne. His servant, his righteous servant. And he calls us to be his servants as well. So as we pray tonight, whatever your needs are, whether you've been blinded to his truth, maybe confused about things, maybe confused by the evolutionists, maybe confused by the anti-law people, maybe confused by this world, maybe confused and not believing in victory. And God has opened some light into your mind tonight. You want to receive God's truth. You want to receive his light. Every, when we pray, I invite you just to, on your own, just pray, God, I want to live that light. I want to live that truth. I want that victory. I want to be set free from that prison. I want to be set free from that bondage. I want to be set free from that habit. I want to be set free from that sin. He promised to set the captives free. I've been captive to the carnal nature, and I want to be set free. Claim his power. Claim his promise. He is the Lord. He is a mighty warrior. He will fight in our defense. Maybe you've been bruised. Maybe you're hurting about something. Maybe your heart has been broken. Maybe you're suffering emotionally. God wants to hold your hand. God wants to lift you up. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be by your side. He's calling you his own. 
He wants to hold you and he wants to keep you. Jump into his arms tonight. Accept him as your Lord. Accept him as your Savior. Accept him as your Messiah. Accept him as your Deliverer. Accept him as your peace. Let him heal the bruised. Let him heal the broken heart. Let him work his deliverance and power in your life. Is there any other area that God's been speaking to your heart tonight? We pray together. Receive God's gift. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion and your mercy. And Lord, if we have spoken harshly at anyone, bring it to our minds. If we've heard any bruised reed, if we've shouted, if we've been rude, if we've condemned, Lord, forgive us. Change us. Make us new. Give us a new song. Give us new words. Give us your word. Give us your truth. Or if there have been times when your enemies and the devil and the evil angels and wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and darkness, if we have not spoken, if we have not lifted up a voice, if we have not shouted aloud when your law has been trampled, when your truth has been trodden underfoot, there's been times where we stood, should have stood for the truth and we yielded, we were ashamed of you, Forgive us, Lord. Transform us and change us. Make us in your image. Lord, for those that are hurting here tonight, touch them and help them and minister to them. Bless them. Those that have been in prison, locked up, bound by circumstances or situations or their past or their inherited problems or abuses or habits, sins or addictions. Lord, you promised to set us free. We want to claim your salvation right now. We want to claim your victory right now. We claim your power in our lives. We are free in you. Live your righteousness through us. Put our feet on your path and walk us in your way. Lord, use us the covenant to your people and as a light to the nation. In Yeshua's holy name.